0: Hey, you're listening to Uninterrupted, the podcast that doesn't sleep on the issues. I'm your host, the senior online editor of Women's Health, Caitlin Aber. Chances are you know who Arianna Huffington is. You might even visit her website multiple times every day. But do you know how she sleeps? Today, the founder of the Huffington Post is here to talk with us about her new book, The Sleep Revolution, Transforming Your Life One Night at a Time. She's going to share how she came to terms with her own toxic relationship with sleep, why she thinks our culture is so damn tired all the time, and what we can do to remedy this problem ASAP. Ariana has also brought a special guest with her today, her daughter, Christina Huffington. Christina and her mom recently launched a new series on the Huffington Post called Talk to Me, which focuses on having people from different generations share important stories and lessons they've learned throughout their lives. I am so honored to welcome Ariana and Christina Huffington to Uninterrupted today. So I am here with Ariana and Christina Huffington. Thank you so much for coming on Uninterrupted today.
1: Thank you. It's great to be with you.
0: Yeah, we're so happy to be here. Great. So the first thing I want to ask both of you is how did you sleep last night?
2: I actually went to sleep earlier than usual, which my mom will be happy to hear. I went to sleep around 11 and woke up at 7-something, so over 8 hours. And
1: I actually went to sleep around the same time Christina did, not knowing that, and um, and woke up um, exactly at
0: 7. Wow, very good. And how did you sleep?
1: Really good. Yeah? I find that... Um, If I do my little ritual, my pre-turning-off-the-lights ritual of turning off my phones, charging them outside my bedroom, having a hot bath with Epsom salts, that kind of helps slow down my brain, Um, wearing dedicated sleep clothes rather than the same stuff I wore to the gym, and um, ending with something Christina has taught me, which is to write down... Or share with her sister, who still lives with me, uh, three things that I'm grateful for so that you give sort of the closing scene of the day to something good. So if you wake up in the middle of the night, your mind doesn't immediately go to your problems or your things you're anxious about, but to the good things in your life. So if I do all that, then I do sleep well.
0: That's so important. So the reason why we're talking about this is that you just put out a book called The Sleep Revolution, which is all about the way sleep impacts our lives. Why were you inspired to write this? (laughs) And at any point, did you lose sleep over writing this book?
1: Actually not. You know, this is my 15th book, and I lost sleep over many books, but not my last two. And that's because I wrote my last two after I had collapsed from exhaustion and sleep deprivation and had made changes in my life. So since both these books reflected these themes, it would have been very (laughs) um, counterintuitive to actually go back to all my old habits in the process of trying to share with the world all the things that have helped my life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you talked a little bit just now about your sleep routine. But what is your favorite part of that? Like, what do you look forward to the most?
1: So what I look forward to the most is my bath. (laughs) (laughs) I love, in fact, I I know um, when Christina was uh, in college, um, there was a hotel that uh, we stayed at that didn't have uh, bedrooms with bathrooms (laughs) and bathtubs. And uh, and I remember it was the only thing I didn't like about going to visit her. That there, I think there was only one bedroom that had a bathtub, and uh, I just so love soaking in my right. bath at night before I um, I get into bed. It's it's such a it's like a ritual, and I feel like the water washes away the day and. Yeah. And all the scientists make it clear that you need that demarcation line between your day and your night. You need to acknowledge that you have incompletions, you have a to-do list you haven't done, uh, you have um, things that didn't go well, and that you have to like accept all that and say that's that, this is this day and this day is done (laughs) and now it's my time to recharge.
0: I'm sure you are so busy. Are you able to take that bath every night?
1: Absolutely. You know, once you really understand the importance of sleep, it's no longer hard to prioritize it. That's why I structured the book this way so that people have to read the chapter on the science of sleep, the latest scientific findings, before they try to change their habits because they have to change their minds about the importance of sleep before they try to change how to prioritize it. And, and we're living in a culture which is still under the delusion that um, we'll sleep when we're dead, you snooze, you lose. Right. And so we have to really be convinced ourselves and have some people around us who are also convinced to support us in order to bring about changes. And I think it's been great having um, our little tribe, you know, I, I, both my daughters have been convinced. I don't know when that happened for you.
2: After college, I would say. After <laughs> college, yeah.
1: When uh, And was there a particular thing that happened? I
2: don't think so. I think for me it was just sort of the evidence of suddenly starting to sleep and how it impacted my mood and my day and my reactions. And I think that once you experience it, it sort of is very difficult to go back to how things were before.
0: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So for our listeners out there who might be juggling two or three jobs or taking care of kids on their own or worrying about things like bills and health and, you know, relationships, prioritizing sleep can be really, really hard. What do you think about that? And, you know, it might feel like a privilege that they don't have.
1: I think it's actually more important than for any other demographic group. And I'll tell you why. Because the harder your life, the more as you said, you are struggling to put food on the table, you are juggling everything, the more your resilience matters. And uh, I actually had a, a clinic in Harlem for people in the area to come and ask questions about sleep and it was just amazing to see the lack of information. And I'll tell you just one story that sums up a lot of other stories of a woman, 32 years old, She had two jobs, she was a pastry chef and a babysitter. And um, she had diabetes, she was 32. And she said to me, I come home after my second job and this is my time to watch my shows. And uh, she watched television for about four hours, then she would fall asleep with the TV on. The TV at some point would wake her up. Um, But you know, she hadn't done the slowing down of of her mind. So she she would have a hard time going back to sleep. She would go to the kitchen to eat something sweet. And that was the vicious cycle mm. that meant every time she would wake up in the morning, she would be not just exhausted, but judging herself because she thought this was her fault. She thought there are all these high flyers on Wall Street who did great on four hours because right. we have all this... Delusions, you know. Incidentally, if you have a genetic mutation, about 1% of the population does, you do okay on four hours. But the vast majority of us need seven to nine. So just by telling her it wasn't her fault, that she had to prioritize her sleep, even if that meant that she was not going to watch her favorite shows, it began to change her life. And we had her on Dr. Oz to talk about how. Um, how everything in her life has gotten better. So, you know, there are a lot of things that need to happen politically, you know. Yes. A living wage. Mm-hmm. That
0: was um, my next question. You know, uh, yeah. family
1: medical leave. Sleep is not a panacea.
0: Right.
1: But it's something that is free and available that and in, in, in our control. With a lot of the other things we should be fighting for and certainly at the Huffington Post is a big issues for us. But We cannot change them overnight. We can change how we approach and prioritize our sleep.
0: Excellent. Well, then we'll skip that question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But speaking of the Huffington Post at a major media company, how are you and your your company and your employees preparing for what looks like going to be a very sleepless election cycle? Well, I
1: think most companies now are 24-7 companies. Uh, either because you're a media company as we are or because you are a customer, client-based company uh, or because you're operating on multiple time zones. So it is more essential than ever to learn to operate in in teams. You know, you can't be expected to be available 24-7.
2: Right.
1: Um, And if you don't learn to delegate, if you don't learn to... Um, have people who can do things, if you believe that you're, the un- that you're indispensable, which I did believe for a large part of my life until I collapsed, <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, it's not
0: sustainable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, good to know. Okay, let's talk about Talk To Me. So, Christina, you are Ariana's daughter, and together you launched this new series on the Huffington Post called Talk To Me, um, and it's all about intergenerational conversations, correct? Yes. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about the series and why you decided to start it? Yeah,
2: absolutely. So um, the idea came to me actually while I was working out in Los Angeles at a production company. Um, I sort of realized two things. One was that I would read these interviews that my mom did and I would watch her on TV and I would realize that she was sort of being asked the same questions over and over again and giving the same answers. And I thought, if that's the case with her, this is probably the case with so many people who are used to being interviewed over and over. They kind of have their talking points, they stick to their talking points. Um, And I thought that there's probably, like, a level of authenticity that is now missing from these interviews. Um, And so I thought one way to actually gain that level of authenticity is to switch the interviewer. And who is harder to stonewall than your own child? (laughs) (laughs) And, um... And the other thing I realized with both my parents is that I talk to both of them, honestly, probably too much. We (laughs) are in constant (laughs) communication, but so often our conversations are about something that's happening either in the day or something about my life, a problem I'm having, um, something like that. And they would every once in a while say something to me about their past or a funny story or Um, you know a meaningful moment and I would have no clue and it sort of shocked me that I could be so close to these people and yet you know in my mind these are my parents they're not you know Ariana and Michael of lives you know separate from me Um, and so I think that that sort of prompted uh, the idea.
0: That's great. Um, Do you think though that there has been a disconnect between mothers and daughters in particular around like in previous generations you know, things they never told each other that they probably should have.
2: I think my mom and her mom are probably not a good example of this because they were attached at the hip. <laughs> um, and so I don't know if you felt that with other ones of your friends and their mothers.
1: Yes, I think, um, as Christina said, we I had an incredibly close relationship with um, my mother and I think I modeled that with my daughters, you know, the way we tend to perpetuate, the way we're brought up. Um, But I think definitely it's become much easier to talk to your parents. You know, there's uh, um, greater acceptance of the fact that um, your life may not be the way my life was. Uh, But I think what Christina said about the fact that we don't make the time to have these conversations is what I'm excited about with Talk to Me, that we are offering people a structure suggested questions that can at least get them going. Um, th- they can do it on Facebook Live, which is a partner of ours. Um, on Father's Day, we actually had a physical activation at Shake Shack in Madison Square Park. Square Park. And uh, so in a way, it it's exciting both to have done all these influencer interviews that Christina produced, you know, with um, Oprah being interviewed by her three adopted daughters from South Africa, or Richard Branson interviewed by his son Sam, or uh, Melinda Gates interviewed by her daughter. But it's also amazing to get these hundreds of interviews from people around the world uh, who are interviewing their parents, and it's something which they will have for their grandchildren. And uh, something which otherwise they might not have done.
0: Hmm. Christina, is there any question that you haven't asked your mom yet that you're holding <laughs> out on? <laughs> that I, that I want to <laughs> ask? <laughs> not on the top of my
2: mind, but I'm sure it will come to you <laughs> at some point.
0: Is there any question you want to ask Christina?
2: when am I going to become a grown <laughs> Oh, typical mom question. I mean, this has been, this, she has to be fair been asking this question since I hit puberty. Like, this is somebody who, like, the only mother on earth who wants, like, a teen pregnancy.
0: <laughs> Speaking of that, do you think there is any question or th- topic in particular that women should ta- have a conversation with with each other about, you know, something that women don't talk about enough?
2: I mean, I can't think of a particular topic, but I think even, and this is the same with intergenerational relationships, I just think, like, there are so many things that I've found, you know, in my friends' families or in their relationships with their mothers or even among friends that are sort of, like, considered too messy or too off-limits. And I think that that is definitely changing and we sort of... Um, are now more willing to show like the le- the less uh, perfect social media friendly side of ourselves and of the struggles we go through but I think the more that we can keep talking about that the better
1: yeah I totally agree and and I think also there is um, th- there is a time of anxiety about your children which um, a lot of mothers and fathers have but I think especially mothers so I think the more you can talk about these things with them. Uh, the easier it is to let them just have their journey and uh, and not be overprotective.
0: Absolutely. Is there any particular interview that you've produced or watched that you found like so heart-wrenching or important?
2: Um, I think that we did a compilation of interviews with people who were survivors or victims of gun violence. And... Um, their relatives and that was pretty incredible um we did one recently with three brothers who all identify as gay and both their parents and that was really beautiful and I don't know I think we've had some pretty incredible ones either ones that are you know on themes like the ones I mentioned or just um ones that are about healing. We had in the Richard Branson one with his son, Sam, there was a beautiful moment where, uh, you know, Sam recently became a father. And so he was asking his dad um, about his advice as a father. And his dad was talking about, sort of this guilt he used to feel when he would go you know he'd, he'd take these hot air balloon trips that were somewhat dangerous and Sam would be you know a toddler grabbing at his leg telling him not to go and how that how that sort of still stays with him and that that is something that now Sam is struggling with so sort of just this kind of having empathy for our parents and then empathy for ourselves and sort of just understanding that you know we're all sort of dealing with the same things.
0: Is there anything you've learned about each other since starting this project that surprised you?
1: I definitely um, have loved, you know, the passion that Christina has brought to this project. Um, now that the project has been a big success, you know, it's easy to to say, oh but of course. But, you know, a project doesn't just happen, you know. Um, there were a lot of... Um, obstacles along the way. There were a lot of uh, um, learnings, you know, about finding a sponsor for the project and how do you work with a sponsor. We're very lucky. We have a great sponsor in Unilever. But there are a lot of uh, new muscles that you learn to flex when you are um, creating a project like that and so it's been just great to watch her flex these muscles. I'm not at all involved in it in a day-to-day way, so I'm just really mostly watching them together with all our other (laughs) viewers.
2: I think um, it was amazing to see my mom in a working environment and I am a super sensitive person and she I think has experienced that in my relationships and has seen it in the way I am in my daily life but it was so helpful to have her on my side I think as she was saying as I was sort of dealing with these obstacles and you know I think when something feels like your baby and the way that talk to me does I was so something would go wrong and I would think that's the end, that's it. I shouldn't even have done it. Like I should never have done this. I should go back to my job and like abandon this. And you know, you wake up of course the next morning after eight hours sleep and you're (laughs) like, why was I even in that negative space? But to have someone who can sort of be there and understand and sort of walk you through that self-doubt and that negativity um, I think was
0: amazing. That's so great. So we ask every guest on the show to promote a woman somebody that they admire, whether it's an activist or an artist or a writer, just whomever. Do you each have a woman you'd like to promote today? Yes.
2: Um, I think for me on the subject um, of gun violence and especially now with everything that happened in Orlando, there is an amazing young woman named Erica Lafferty who is the daughter of... Um, the Sandy Hook principal who was killed, Don Hawksprung, and she has spent the last several years really campaigning for common sense gun laws and I just think that is so extraordinary um, to be able to turn some a pain that I cannot even begin to fathom into trying to create real change so that other families don't have to experience it. Absolutely,
1: and um, I'm going to pick Judith Rodden. Um, I was with her a couple of days ago Um, as she was interviewing uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda Uh, she's the head of the Rockefeller Foundation and she's stepping down after 12 years and um, she has done an amazing job uh, bringing about change around the world as the head of the foundation and she's written a book on resilience which is really important and she's done amazing work on impact investing but also what I admire is the fact that she felt it was time to step down, sort of at the height of Mm. (laughs) uh, everything she was doing because there are other things she wants to do. And uh, she doesn't want to be running a big organization anymore. And I think that takes guts. And uh, we have a series, in fact, at the Huffington Post now called Jump. And I really admire people who are willing to jump, often leaving very successful, very lucrative careers because they have a passion for something, and uh, that they're willing to do it at any age. Mm. Uh, so I, I, it was great talking to her and, uh, and hearing her thinking. And um, I'm full of admiration for the role model that she's been, both in her work, but also in her decision to leave her work for something else that she doesn't yet know what it's going to be. Yeah,
0: that sounds excellent. Well, thank you so much for thank coming so on the much, show. Thank you so much, It was a pleasure. It was such a pleasure having Ariana and Christina in the studio today. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to learn more about how you can maximize your snoozing potential, you can pick up Ariana's book, The Sleep Revolution, wherever books are sold. Please head to our Facebook page and let us know what you thought of today's show. Be sure to subscribe to Uninterrupted on iTunes so you don't miss any future episodes. Follow at Women's Health Mag on Twitter for updates about the show using the hashtag WHUninterrupted. You can also follow me, your host, Caitlin Aber, on Twitter at EverydayCaitlin. This episode of Uninterrupted was recorded at CBS Studios and produced by me, Caitlin Aber, with editorial support from Lisa Janowski. Our theme music is by Jen Miller. You can check her out at JenMillerMusic.com. That's going to be it for now, we hope you tune in next week. And in the meantime, get a good night's sleep and stay uninterrupted.